Hymn 145 is our hymn. We're on the second stanza this evening. It's our Easter hymn, I Am Content. Uh, Stanza two, I am content, my Jesus is my head. His member I shall be. His member I shall be. He bowed his head when on the cross he died. He bowed his head when on the cross he died. With cries of agony. With cries of agony. His now death is brought into subjection. For me too by his resurrection. 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 I am content, I am content. I am content, I am content. Alright, so first of all, it says that Jesus is my head. The imagery is the head and the body or the head and the members, uh, we then, and and there's many different uh, images that are used to describe our faith, our spiritual connection with Jesus himself. One of those we will use tonight for the reading will be one of a shepherd and, and sheep to describe what we would say would be the Lord, the, the king, and, his, and, and the church. So we're going to be talking about uh, that tonight. This one describes Jesus as the head of the church. Well, um, your head. You've got your head. You've got your body. Um, which one is in charge? The head. If the head wants to go over there, the head tells the body what's going over there, right? The body doesn't just do it. And so what do we have? We have a Jesus who is the head of the church, who is the head of his body. And he says, those who believe in Jesus, we are his body. We are the members that belong to him. And so he, well, how is he going to communicate then with us? If he's going to be the head, how does he do that? He talks to us. Where do we find him talking to us? Should you go sit in a dark room and just kind of wait for him to talk to you from heaven? In the Bible we have it. And so in the Bible he speaks to us. What kind of things does he say to us? He tells us what? He loves us. He tells us he loves us. He proclaims to us uh, his love for us. What else? He does tell us what to do. You're exactly right. We'll talk about the law or the Ten Commandments, and so he teaches us. He tells us what to do. Um, He tells us that he loves us, what we are to believe, what we are to trust in. We call that gospel. He tells us how he loves us. Oh. By sending his son. Absolutely. And how we need that. And tells us what we need, exactly. Um... If he tells us what we need, then we also, well, pray. He tells us what to ask for. He says, ask for these things. I want you to ask for these because I want to give them to us. 
So that's what he does. Ah, he shows us by means of his law where we have not done what he said. That shows us our sins, shows us his anger, but then also teaches us how that anger has been appeased, has been taken away, how he has provided. So, okay, um, my Jesus is my head, his member I shall be. I want to be taught, I want to listen, I want to be connected with uh, Jesus that happens in faith. He bowed his head when on the cross he died. He bowed his head saying, it is finished. Um, with cries of, of agony, he cried out to his heavenly father on our behalf that, that he would forgive us our sins. Uh, he announced to us that the punishment was finished, the wrath is, is done. He cried out because he was forsaken by the Heavenly Father, suffered hell for us. It says, now, now death is brought into subjection. Uh, if something is a subject, it's placed under, it's under control. Um, if, if you have a... Uh, a dog that's, that's running around biting people, yeah, you put it into subjection, you put it in a cage, you keep it, you say, aha, it's under control. What's happened to death? It's been put into subjection, kind of like a box. Um, what happens? It's lost its power to take us forever. It's lost its power. It's lost its ability. Uh, it can only go so far, like a, like a dog on a leash. Um, it goes as far, and then it, it has to stop. Um, yes, death can take us to the grave, but it's not going to keep us there. Uh, death now is temporary uh, because of our Savior who has overcome that death for us. Even death is brought into subjection. Everything, then, is under our Lord Jesus Christ. The great news of Easter is not simply Jesus himself rising from the dead, but because he rises from the dead, and we're together with him, we're his members and he's the head, when the head goes, the head says, I'm going to go over there, the body follows, when our head, Jesus Christ, rises from the dead, what about us? We're going to do what he says. We're going to do the same thing. He's going to call us out of the grave. He's going to raise us up again on the last day. So it says in this, for me too by his resurrection. I too, by his resurrection, I'm going to have this uh, arising again. If that is the case, then if I have to go through suffering, if I have to go through uh, death, the shadow of death, if I have to go through the grave, well then, so be it, I am content, for my Jesus has taken away the sting of death, and he has promised to forgive sins and give me eternal life. Stanza two.
Now death is brought into subjection for me to buy his resurrection. I am content, I am content. All right, we're on to the table of duties. Uh, if you happen to have one of these, I don't quite have enough of those, and I know it's not included in the bulletin. Uh, it's simply scripture passages, but in the small catechism, and this one we're on page 31. All right, we've gone through the first section of the scripture passages that deal with the pastor and the pastoral office. For bishops, pastors, and preachers, saying that they are to be above reproach, uh, that they are not to be given to violence and drunkenness and, and these kinds of things. They are to manage their own family. They're to be the husband of but one wife not to be a recent convert, uh, lest they fall into conceit, and most importantly, to hold to the trustworthy message, that's what's found in the Bible, that message, so that they can encourage people and they can refute those who go against it. Second uh, of the offices is what the hearers owe their pastors. We've actually got five passages to go with it, so let's get started. 1 Corinthians 9, 14 goes like this. The Lord has commanded, the Lord has commanded that, those who preach the gospel that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. First Corinthians nine verse fourteen. So the Lord has uh, taken a man and said, "We're going to entrust to him the office of pastor, the pastoral office." It is going to be his job, and, and we, we can describe that in various ways, but to preach the gospel, included with that is you always prepare by means of the law and the gospel so you know it goes together, but he's supposed to preach the gospel. How does he go about preaching this? First of all, what is the gospel? What is the gospel he's supposed to preach? More? Okay. Literally, the word gospel, euangelion, means, eu is the word good, angelion is like the word angel message, good message, or sometimes we just shorthand for gospel, say it's good news. That's what the gospel is. The bad news is the law. The law says you have sinned, you deserve death. The good news is the gospel. What kind of good news? You said? That Jesus died for my sins. That's the good news of the gospel, that he died to take away my sins. So, the pastor is to preach out this message. Again, he may use just exactly those very words. Uh, he may do it, well, uh, during a catechesis service. He may do it during a Bible study. He may do it from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Um, yeah, he, he may do it at home. He, in all these ways, he's to preach out the, the gospel. What does this say in 1 Corinthians 9? The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel 
that they should what? Receive their living from the gospel. Um, that is, that they should be paid for their labors. Um, at times, uh, you know, uh, they would bring the pastor a pig from their farm, would provide for him in, in, in other ways, um, but in some way, you might say, so that he can devote his work, his effort, to studying the word, to preparing a sermon, to being able to give it, that he can take his time, that he is not involved with another vocation, but that he can use that time to go and to visit the sick, things of that sort. So, 1 Corinthians 9.14, The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Let's go on to the second one. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 7. Anyone who receives instruction in the word... Must share, all good things must share all good things with his instructor. With his instructor. Do, not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be mocked. A, man a man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6, verses 6 and 7. Um, there's a little uh, sarcastic uh, website or Facebook uh, one that uh, Babylon B, I'm sure some of you are, are available uh, and have gotten that. In one of the uh, sarcastic editions of that, it, it says that uh, parents who uh, brought their daughter to church quarterly are flabbergasted that their daughter's faith is not strong. Quarter. We attended church every quarter. How, with sports how, and my daughter has lost the faith. What is going on here? How could that be? Um, what does it say? A man reaps what he sows. What's sowing? Be careful. Not this sowing. It's a different sowing. I thought you would go that way. Because I know your mom does a little sowing. This is the sowing that Jonathan does. What does Jonathan do? That, sowing a seed. That's what we're talking about. And so, if you sow the seeds, you will reap what you sow, right? If you sow tomatoes, will you reap oranges? No. No. You reap what you sow. What you put into it is what you get out of it. And so, yes, if you want to be very weak, don't read your Bible, don't come to church, and you can be sure that your faith will go away. That's what it speaks. A man reaps what he sows. If you give your attention, if, the, if God has called a man to preach the word, what do you think God wants you to do? Come and hear the word that he is preaching. If the last week we talked about John 20, where Jesus returns from the dead and tells out his ministers. He says to them, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. What do you think he wants you to do? Go hear the absolution. Um, now, we said, technically, does the Lord say, you have to come? No. He leaves it free. You've been set free, as in the book of Galatians. So, 
Um, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. If the Lord has set things up the way he has set them up, um, you cannot deceive. You know, you're deceived if you think that you can get around. Uh, well, I think it ought to be, I think I could just as well commune with God out in the fishing boat as opposed to coming to church on Sunday morning. What? What about that? Um, well, is God everywhere? Sure he is. Um, but are you mocking God? Yes, because God said to do it this way. And what have you decided? I'm going to do it my own way. I think it ought to be this way. I think that God, yes, you might. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so as you receive all good things from your instructor, the word, then you also share them uh, with that one who is preaching you the word. You also, you would say, um, as it regards the instruction from the word, you listen to it. Let's go on to the third passage. The elders, the elders, and that would be the pastors as we call them today. It's a little bit confusing. In English, uh, we use the word elder to refer to layman. In the scripture, that is never used for a layman. It is always used for someone who is called and ordained. So, 1 Timothy 5. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Well, obviously, it refers to the honor that we would say of, of getting their living from the gospel. But, you know, there is also honor that goes with, uh, you would say, the respect that goes with a father who teaches his family well. Um, that is, the good words that are spoken, things of that sort. Here it refers to that which is above and beyond. If you uh, devote yourself to that, if you do it well, um, then there ought to be even, even more uh, for that. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Um, the word especially. Um, sometimes we use that as if there would be some elders or some pastors uh, who d wouldn't be involved in this. But that's not exactly what this text is saying. Um, the, the, the Greek has, has a word which is another and, even, especially saying, especially, you might say, that is because the work is preaching and teaching. That job is important. That job is uh, beyond, you know, if we're talking about his church. Uh, there is a, a, we were comparing constitutions one time, uh, pastors, and, you know, well, do you have a constitution? Well, does yours have a board of directors, or does yours have a counselor, and does, you know, and, and one particular pastor uh, uh, boasted, I'm going to say rightly so, he said, do you know what it says in my constitution? He said, in my constitution, instead of kind of all of these mission statements and all these things, as you do this and do this, and we're going to, you know, do evangelism and do stewardship and do this, he said, our constitution explicitly states the purpose of this congregation is to provide for the pastoral office in our midst. 
period. What's the job? To make sure that you fill the pastoral office. Now, included in all that is what? Well, you're going to have to have a place where there's preaching. We're going to come and we're going to hear it. We're going to receive it. You know, pretty well that's it. Uh, if we're going to talk about what is a church, you know, it is a roof in which what's going on? The preaching and teaching, the administering of the sacraments. That is primary and, and uh, of, of importance. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Um, Cody, what's an ox? Ox. Yes, you're exactly right. And so they would use an ox to pull a cart behind or to pull so that it would turn up the ground and things of that sort. And in the law it said you were not to put a muzzle that would be cover up the ox's mouth while he was doing work in the field. If he's working in the field, don't muzzle him. Allow him to eat from the grain that he is harvesting, that he is planting, that he is putting out the, you know, all, all of this. In the very same way, it's an analogy of if the pastor is preaching the word, uh, then he ought to be paid for that job, you would say, from the very fruit, which is you, uh, of whom he is who he's teaching. The worker deserves his wages. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. Let's keep going. That fourth passage. We ask you, brothers... We ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. 1 Thessalonians 5. The pastor has words to say, and sometimes it's words of admonishment. Sometimes he needs to point out sin. Sometimes he's got to encourage, and it's by way of saying, you're not doing what you should. Here is what needs uh, to be done. Uh, for those who are over you, who are placed over you, uh, the pastor is being placed over. You are uh, to become his, his sheep. The pastor is kind of the under-shepherd, under Jesus himself. And so it talks about uh, respecting those who admonish, uh, those who uh, need to uh, discipline, teach, uh, these kinds of things within uh, the church. We uh, are to treat him with love because of the work that he has done. Hmm. What do you do um, uh, if the pastor is not very interesting? Hmm. He preaches God's word, but he kind of talks in a monotone voice, doesn't tell funny stories. What do you do, Karen? You slap yourself a little bit to do what? Gonna keep listening. Exactly. 
what are you going to do if the pastor repeats the same phrase over and over again? Memorize it. Memorize it. <laughs> I was thinking of something more, more like um or uh, not, not a memorable phrase. Well, I can, I can Thank you, Mark. That. I like that. <laughs> so what do you do? You go to lunch and you say, how many ums did you count today? <laughs> well, huh? Do you roast the pastor at lunch? No. What does it mean to, in love, to regard him in love? Exactly. And so in love, you overlook his shortcomings. In love, you hold up the, uh, the man. Just like the rest of exactly. Um, I went to Murfreesboro uh, when, uh, I don't know, to help out in the situation. And um, several of us pastors had, had gone there to, to help uh, on a Sunday. Um, I went in as I was getting ready for, for service to begin. There was, uh, I don't know, one or two women uh, that were a part of kind of the altar guild and, and all. And yet it was right before the service. I mean, everything was kind of set up. And so, uh, you know, I'm just being nice, kind of talking with them just, just a little bit about things as I'm, I'm getting my robe on and things of this sort. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, the uh, lady came up and she's adjusting my, my bald and then she adjusts them in the back and this is round and, and she said, okay, you're ready. And, and and, and walked, walked away. Um, and then you thought about who the pastor was. Exactly. And so what I realized was is that this congregation, uh, they didn't just make fun of the pastor because it's all screwy and everything was up, and they didn't go, well, look at him, you know, he's a slob. What they did was they took time to, we're going to appoint someone, and someone's going to be there, and before he comes out, we're going to... <laughs> and that's it. And, I, and as the more I, and I didn't think a whole lot about this, I mean, until till later, when some of the other pastors were making fun of it. And I said, oh no, that is a loving thing that they did. They, I mean, they were holding up the pastor's hands. They saw something that needed to be done, and they'd say, how can we help? They didn't come up and say, pastor, I got another job for you. Pastor, you're not doing this right. Pastor, you need to. They said, we're going to make sure that this happens, and here's a way that we can help the pastor out. That was to regard the pastor in love. Wow. Um, a small thing, but um, I, I, I think a pretty good example. Uh, to hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work, and then, as it says, live in peace with each other. Uh, I've got one more passage. I think I'm going to stop there. Hebrews 13, I'll read it through. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hebrews 13, verse 17. We'll light the candles and we'll begin.
page 224. Please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. Following that is the Easter responsory, if you want to turn to page 227. John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Here ends the reading. Page 227. Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In fact, it's quite emphatic. Um, I am the good, the shepherd. Uh, what's a shepherd do? What's a shepherd do? <laughs> Takes care of sheep. Uh, 
Um, what does he need to do for the sheep? Well, what does he do? Find them jobs? All right, he has to protect them. Oh, they're not very good at protecting themselves. He gathers them. He provides for them food, and so takes them out. Oh, you've got the pen where they are in. There's the gate that goes to the pen. He takes them out that they might feed. He brings them back so that they would be protected at night, gathering them together. Mark? Yes, their needs and their injured are sick. Okay, provides for their needs as well, absolutely. So Jesus describes himself as a shepherd. Is this new Jesus coming and saying he's going to be a shepherd? Could they have expected this by reading the Old Testament? Yes, the Old Testament talks about this. Um, in the Old Testament, God referred to the pastors, the leaders of that time, he referred to them as shepherds. Was he particularly pleased with them? No, they were not taking care of the sheep. Um, and so he said to them that he was going to discipline them. And he said to them, that's it. I'm going to come. And I'm going to take care of the sheep myself. And so this became a rallying cry for the Messiah himself. The Messiah was one who was going to be a shepherd who watched over, took care, provided, protected the sheep personally himself. Jesus says that he is not just a shepherd, but he is a good shepherd. shepherd. What does it mean that he's a good one? Well, what is a good shepherd? What makes it good? Hmm. Okay. Um, it's not one of being favorites. Very good. He doesn't sleep on the job. Very good. Um, yes, he doesn't let down. In fact, our Jesus had a job to do, and he did it perfectly. Um, this good shepherd dies for his sheep. Wow. Uh, the shepherd is given charge of the sheep. He is to protect the sheep, and that would also involve, you might say, finding off the wolves, the, you know, whatever the enemy. This is one shepherd, and he, Jesus describes him now saying, and is he good? Yes, he is one who does his job perfectly. Is he good in the sense that he is without sin, morally perfect in every way? Absolutely. But Jesus, when he describes, I am the good shepherd, he describes himself as saying, I lay down my life for the sheep. Uh, in order to provide, to protect for them sheep, he is willing to die, and then he does it. In what way does he die? Do you know how he dies? Does he die in a car wreck? How does he die? On a cross. He allowed them to, they said that he had done wrong, he had done nothing wrong, and he allowed them to crucify him, to nail him to a cross until he had died. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. For the other ones that are acting like shepherds, he won't even call them shepherds, he calls them hirelings. Why does he call them hirelings? They're in for the money. They All they want is what they can get out of it. They don't care about the sheep at all. 
They're not trying to protect the sheep. They're trying to get some money. They're in for the hire. And so they don't treat the sheep too well. They treat themselves better. He says, and the hireling is not a shepherd. He doesn't care for the sheep. He doesn't own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming, and what does he do? Runs away. I'm not going to get hurt. Let him have the sheep. He doesn't care. But not Jesus. Not the good shepherd. Uh, our good shepherd. Now, when we talk about the wolf, who are we talking about? What kind of wolf do you have? The bad guys. The bad guys, yeah. Tell me about these bad guys. Not the wolf. Mark? The wolf comes in many, many forms. Sin, devil, your own desires, yes. the world, the things it sends. All of these, they come to do what? Well, Jesus gathered the sheep, they come to Destroy them. scatter them. Why do you want to scatter the sheep out and not let them come together to gather themselves? Because it's easier to pick them off. You can pick them off one by one. And so those sheep who think that they're strong go off and say, I can get along without the church. I can get along without the teaching. I'm, I'm going to be my own. I'm, I'm an independent. Um, I'm a free agent Christian. I can go whatever church I want and I can do it. Um, no, Jesus says they want to be, I want to gather the sheep. I want to keep them together. That is where I will provide for them within my church with the preaching and the teaching. Uh, he wants to scatter them. He wants to catch the sheep. He wants to take away their faith, take away their Savior, take away their strength in, in the word and the teaching and the prayer uh, that is given. That's what he's doing. He's coming. He flees because he doesn't, he doesn't care for them. Our Jesus, well, provides Literally, we talk about our Jesus who goes to the cross for the very thing that we need, the forgiveness of sins, the overcoming of the devil, the overcoming of death, uh, that it too might now be in subjection. But our Jesus is not dead. On Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. He appeared to us over 40 days, and then he ascended up into heaven, hands raised, blessing us as he went, but that doesn't mean, even though we can't see him, it doesn't mean that he is not still working and active. He promises in Matthew 28 that I will be with you always, that is, with his church. Where? Where there is baptizing, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Lord, and teaching them, and I will be with you always. Where there is the baptizing, that's his church, and he was talking to you know, the pastors at the time and saying to them, do these things, and I promise I will be with you. We say, yes, where do I go to church? Because I know that Jesus has promised to be there. He's still taking care of us. How is he, what is Jesus doing to protect us from the wolf of sin? What's he doing? He's doing what with? Good, he's making intercession. He's continuing to plead before the Father on our behalf. Exactly. What else? He's giving out his word. Um, the word of forgiveness does what? Yeah, takes away sin. What? 
frees us from the devil who says, you're a rotten sinner, you're going to hell. You go, I, my sins are taken away. Provides us pastors. Sin can lead us to despair, to give up. Oh, what use is it? Um, how often do you sin? I'm feeling pretty good today. An hour later, yeah. And I'm going, oh, wow. Um, and I was trying to make some, you know, and I go, oh, I just give up. And God says, no, let me give you the word. Let me forgive you your sins. Let me assure you that I love you. He's using that with his word. He's continuing to protect and to take care of us. Sending us pastors, sending us forgiveness. And he's generous with He gives it. He promised us in baptism that we are his child. He promises in Lord's Supper. He promises in the word. He promises, yeah, wow. Look, look at all the things. And not just, I preach the word, and sometimes you preach the word to each other. Because you hear the word. Um, don't get down. Didn't you hear the sermon Sunday? Let me tell you, you know what God's word said? I once heard Pastor Henson. He said this. Uh, um, Jesus. And so yeah, they're preaching out this word. You too. Um, as you talk to your friends, your neighbors, your spouse, your children. Uh, those things. That's still Jesus. And he's still working. Um, my Jesus ever lives. He's alive and he is still working to provide and take care of us. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he says this, I know my sheep. If Jesus is the good shepherd, who are the sheep? I don't see too many young kids around, so I'm going to ask you tonight. If you don't know the answer, you probably got people around you that can help you. What do you think about these sheep? Huh? Sheep. Who are the sheep? Does Jonathan know? Sheep. You're the sheep? How did you get to be a sheep? Huh? Ooh, Jesus says, I know my sheep. You became a sheep by believing in Jesus. Faith in Jesus makes you his sheep. And so he says, I know all those who believe in me. Um, I know them. Not just I know them by name, but he does know you by name. Um, but he knows who you are. Um, you belong to him. He says, those are mine. Just like I would say every one of you who believes in Jesus has his name inscribed upon you. You belong to him. Um, uh, the devil might come and say this or that, and you say, no, no, I belong to Jesus. Um, uh, uh, the devil might tell you you're not, and he says, no, no, Jesus knows me because I trust in him for the forgiveness of my sins. So Jesus says, I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. And you who are a sheep know Jesus. Yeah, he knows you, and you know him. You know that he is God, and God's son. You know that he has died for you. You know he loves you. You know that he has saved you. And he knows you, that you belong to him. And that you have faith in him and are trusting in him. Confessing sins and, and trying not to be led into temptation. All of these things. And see, so he says, as the father knows me and I know the father, then I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, and them I'm going to bring also. He's got other sheep, and he's going to bring them into his fold, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. The one shepherd is Jesus. The one flock is the Holy Christian Church that is made up of those who believe in Jesus. 
One flock, one church. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them. And he says, they will hear my voice. Where do we hear Jesus' voice? Nope. In the Bible, it's being taught. Exactly. So, I teach you God's word, and you say, that's Jesus. That's Jesus' words. I can tell. When someone comes to you and says something else, um, oh, uh, God helps those who help themselves. You say, that doesn't sound like Jesus. That, that doesn't go with God's word. God's word doesn't teach that. Um, you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. God will help a little bit, but then you've got to do your part. And you say, that's not Jesus. That doesn't sound like Jesus at all. I know what Jesus sounds like. I have heard his word. I've heard the preaching that goes. I've heard the law and the gospel. It agrees with God's word. There are some times that, well, I'm not here. Another pastor comes. And you hear him preach and you say, wow, you know, he, he doesn't say the exact same way that Pastor Henson with, you know, he talks a little faster or he, you know, emphasizes different words. But that's still, I can hear that. I know what he is teaching. That's Jesus speaking. And so he says, they will know me. They will know my voice. And they will come. And they will hear. And they will receive that. And so they will become a part of that flock, a part of that one flock. And there will be one shepherd that hears, hears the voice. All right. Uh, Cody, I got something over here. You know what this is? Huh? It's a shepherd's staff. I got this when I was ordained. Someone gave this to me. Uh, a shepherd's staff. Do you know why they gave me a shepherd's staff? Because when you become a pastor, the word pastor, pastoralis, is a Latin word for shepherd. Pastors are shepherds. Now, Jesus is the good shepherd, but all the pastors are to be under shepherds. They're to be telling what Jesus wants. So I've been given a shepherd's staff. Shepherds use this. You know what they use this for? Beating the sh... No. They don't use it to beat the sheep. That's not what this is for at all. Right? Have you ever seen cowboy movies? Yeah. Yep, and they have all the... It's not sheep. Usually it's cows or something like that. And do you know what they do? What? Yeah, they drive those. It's called a cattle drive. What? Right? They're yelling at them, and they're making them go, and they're slapping a whip, and they're, you know, get going, and, and they're, they're driving them on ahead. When shepherds lead sheep, they don't do it that way. They don't ride on horses. They don't crack the whip and make them go ahead of them. You know what the shepherd does? He goes in front. And the sheep follow afterwards. So he doesn't drive them. That would be like the law. They follow after. How will they follow after? Because they know the shepherd's voice. That's why they follow him. What now? So they listen. They listen to his voice. I'm told that you can put several flocks into one pen, and each shepherd, by means of their calling, will bring the sheep out, and they will hear his voice. Will they follow another shepherd? No. They'll only follow the voice of that which is the good shepherd. That is what we are to do, to hear his voice so that we know where to follow. 
so that we know when we go and we hear a preacher that's not preaching the word correctly, that we flee from that one, that that, that is not a shepherd that is leading into the, uh, uh, into the, right, into the right paths. Uh, there are some shepherds that entertain their sheep. They're really funny. They're entertainers. Um, they just do things that make people happy and laugh and get their attention and draw attention to themselves. That's not the shepherd that has been given according to the word of, of God. There are some shepherds that are very good at making their people do stuff. Hmm. That is, they train their sheep to jump through hoops and to do things. Is that the kind of sheep we have? Um, that's not the kind of shepherd we want. And that's not the kind of shepherd that he is supposed to be, to train. Um, also, when I was ordained, I was downstairs, we were having a meal afterwards, and someone came up to me and said, uh, they said, you know what? Um, now that you're a pastor, you're kind of like the head of volunteers. And uh, you need to, therefore, uh, teach your people how to do things because if, if, if you just do it, there's only one of you. But if you can get all these other people doing stuff, then you, know, you can get a lot done. And so I was supposed to be the head of volunteers, I was told. That's like training your sheep and making them jump through hoops. Uh, the Lord didn't say, go out and train people. Uh, to act like pastors or to do certain things. He said to feed them and to provide and take care of them. Uh, you too have your vocation, uh, which includes being a hearer of, of the word itself. Questions? Okay. Prayers this evening. Based upon the word of God, what is it we ask God for? What is it we confess? What is it that we praise him for who he is? Yes. Well, and help us to hear it. To support the office, the one who's been placed into it, that, that, that we might, uh, uh, the job might be a, uh, a blessing, a joy. In all of it. Yes, yes. What else? Okay. Mark? Help our shepherds to be strong in maintaining the truth. Yes, hold up uh, that and pray that he might, yes, be strong in refuting that which is wrong and winsomely preaching that which is right. All right, your blue sheet. Got the responsive prayer for catechesis. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father. Have mercy. 
You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your 
your spirit is good, lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O God, who by the humiliation of your Son did raise up the fallen world, grant to your faithful people perpetual gladness, and those whom you have delivered from the danger of everlasting death make partakers of eternal joys. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we confess that we have often sought what you were not giving, seeking pastors not for their preaching but for other things. We ask your forgiveness. We ask that you would open our ears, that we would always be hearing your word and that we would be strengthened by it, that we would know uh, the correct teaching, that we would be able to discern our Savior Jesus' voice. And we praise you for being the loving Good Shepherd who laid down his life for us, the sheep. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The final petition. O most loving Father, who will us to give thanks for all things and to dread nothing but the loss of thee and to cast all our care upon thee who cares for us, preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal, and which thou have manifested unto us in thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.